we have to about 14, is that right? Sounds about accurate? Okay. Second question is, so in terms of what we're talking about, so I got one vote over here for Hanukkah. Is that a popular theme? Anything else? Another vote for Hanukkah? Anybody want anything else? Okay, vote for, I don't know. Subis, how are you learning? What part are you learning? First part. Okay, a lot of fun stuff in the first part. I want to talk about, actually, I want to talk about, there is a sugya, maybe we should talk about the whole shayla of Daf Gimel, Daf Lalit, actually, what that if you want. Gimel. Gimel, so we want to talk about that Kamara about Elias and Kasnas and about how that applies to the Matzah right now. No, we don't see so. Yeah, no. I can talk to you. We could try to do both, since we have an hour, we could try to do both. So you don't want to listen to too much service. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, it's every day. <laughs> All right, so how about this? Special time. All right, so how about this? So we'll spend the first uh, few minutes talking about that filming service because just the stuff that's negated to what's going on right now, actually, a little bit. Even though it's actually quite a signal hiding behind it. Okay, so a little bit of a... Uh, I have a little bit to choose from. Okay, so for those of you just joining us. Okay, another question. Zachary, so you know, I know that Shane is going to write a green derived for me afterwards. So you just need to know just if that's, is he around it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So if you just ask him, as soon as we're finished, whatever time we finish, I just need to go to Gross. Okay. Yeah, pretty quickly after that. Okay, so here's what you guys missed while you were coming in. So we're talking about what topic to discuss. So there were a couple of votes for Hanukkah. Then it came up here learning Subhastafimal. Subhastafimal maybe has this uh, a topic which is very relevant to Inyana Dioma in terms of the matzah here. So but maybe talk about that too. But then some said they're all tired of Subhas or too much Subhas. So so what we could do is I'll, you know, I'll just talk about that for 10-15 minutes and then switch over to Hanukkah. And then how does that sound? Okay. But I will tell you also that if you want to spend the whole hour on Subhas, so I'll allude to a sugya that is on that Gimel that is quite a fascinating sugya, but I don't know, I'll have to find a different time. Um, those of you who are, come to YU next year will have to take this out and talk about it then. But, okay, so in the Gemara in the bottom, the Gemara in the bottom of Daf Gimel, on the base, and Daf Dalaram and Aleph and Subhas, talks about a very sad situation. We have a couple that is ready to get married and they're beyond the point of no return. Everything is set up and caterer is booked and the invitations are out, the guests are all outside already. There's no possibility at this point of canceling without tremendous loss. So what is the din if, at that point, a very sad thing happens and the parent of one of the couple passes away? The Gemara, for whatever reason, talks specifically about the father of the chasen and the mother of the kala. Apparently that particular involvement. So the parent, one of the chasen or kala loses a parent right as the wedding is beyond the point where you can cancel it right now. So what's the din? You want to see So what does the Gemara say? Right, so, but, right, let's go to that part first, right, so first, we have a wedding and a funeral in front of us, both at the same time, 
what comes first? The wedding comes first. And then, after you have the wedding, so then, then you go to the funeral. But now that you've had a wedding and a funeral, so you have two other mitzvot that are bearing upon you, Shabbat Brachos and Avelis, Shiva. So now what comes first? <coughs> Shabbat Brachos comes first, right? So I'd like to focus on that for a minute on its implications for some things going on. But just as a parenthetical note to a fascinating sugya that is behind that, maybe someday I'll have an opportunity to come back and find another hour to talk to you about this sugya because it's really one of the more Kishmak sugyas. But how exactly does that work? Why is that okay for the Gemara to say that Shabbat Brachos can come before Shiva? How can they push off Shiva? If there's a mitzvah of Shiva, how can they say, wait, push it off for a week and have Shabbat Brachos first? Discuss that at all? So how does that work? Um, Tell me your name. Daniel Neville. Donnie? Daniel. Daniel, it's a good name. What's your, what's your last name? Neville. Neville. Nevin? Neville. Neville. Like Neville. Okay. <laughs> Where are you from? London. Which part? Hendon. My mother's from Hampstead Garden, so I um, uh, Okay, so yeah, so how, how does it work? Yeah, well, there's a suggestion that if they're both the Rice, for example, mm-hmm. and the Rice can push off the Rice, or they could be both the Rice, or the Rice can push off the Rice. So, which are they? Sorry? So, which are they? We think we went into ah, the. Ah, that's where stuff gets interesting. Okay, <laughs> tell me your name. Ethan Rockwarder. Ethan Rockwarder from over there. Yes. Got a block from every mother. There you go, see? <laughs> okay, so you should relate it to everybody's addresses. Okay, yes. Um, right? Okay, yeah. Bishavatasa. You're okay. passive. Oh, so who says that? Um, so we're skipping. came up last year. Oh, okay, right. So, so let's, let me explain what you're talking about. So, as Daniel was saying, that if we're dealing with Daraisa laws, so then that's one thing. If we're dealing with Dinam Drabanan on both sides, so then, okay, then it's much easier. We say, hey, mumru, hey, mumru, that the rabbis are controlling the whole story. So they can decide what comes first, what comes second. So that's the easiest. If they're all drabanan, which is what it sounds like, that's the most likely situation, that both Sheva Brachos and Shiva were both inaugurated by rabbis, maybe even one very famous rabbi by the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. But even if it was him, that still could be a drabanan because what Moshe did as a rabbi, as opposed to what he did as the <coughs> transmitter of the Torah, still has a status of Drabana, even if it was contemporaneous to the Torah. So if they are institutions midrabanan, so then that's easier. Hey, Mamru, hey, Mamru, they can shuffle things around however they choose. However, if any part of it is Daraisa, then things get a little bit more complicated. Now, it happens to be, it's most likely that we assume both are Drabanan. But there is the view of the Rambam and the Rif that the first day of Avelis is Daraisa. So then, the question is, how can they push off the first day? So that's where you come in, and how did you explain it? You were passive. So... That's only half a sentence, though. So yes, you're passive, and that helps because the Gemara says in Yivamos... Well, the Gemara says in Yivamos that there's a rule that yesh koach b'dei chachamim la'kor davar min ha-Torah 
Khushevah passive. That when it's done passively, so then there is power vested in the Chachamim to override even Torah law. So that apparently can be invoked here. That's the view of the Rashba and the Ran. That that's what's going on. That the rabbis push that button, they can override Torah law and allow their rule to override it. So they pushed that button, and they decided, even though the first day of Avelis is an obligation in the Torah, we'll push that off. Now you're telling me, it's passive. Are you so sure? Is have you ever been to a very passive Shavar Brachos? And you go, everyone's just like kind of laid back and chill and not singing or anything, or eating, or dancing. So that's Machlokas, actually. Not about the Shavuot but... So according to the Rashba, because it has to be passive, that means, yes, the first day you actually have to have a very boring Shavuot And you can only actively dance and celebrate after day one. So you can sit out the Shiva, but you also have to have a passive Shavuot for that first day. But the Ran doesn't say that. So it's a good question, why not? What about your passive rule? So that, the explanation seems to be, as Rebbe Wasserman pointed out, that the whole mitzvah of Avelis is a positive mitzvah. So to say, to skip the mitzvah of Avelis, that's itself passive, even if you are going to be celebrating on that day. So that whole topic of Yesh Koach Laka Dovermen HaTorah B'Sheva Al-Tasa is a super fascinating topic, but we don't want to talk too much Ksubit, so we'll push that off for the next time we get a chance to meet. But just so you should know, we want a very good Maramakum, so look up the Kovitz Aris Tivamos on Tivamos Dadi on the base, and he has a fascinating discussion of the Sukkot and what that Machlokas Duran and the Rashba is about. And that's for a different time. But this Gemara, the case in the Gemara, is very relevant to what's happening in this country right now. Right? Because there are a lot of funerals, unfortunately, happening. It's a time of tremendous anguish. Uh, there are funerals, and there are people who don't even know if they are able to make funerals. It's a time of tremendous anxiety. And yet, there are a lot of people getting married. You may have noticed there are pictures going around of weddings where the chasen is in army uniforms. Sometimes the kal is also in army uniforms. Sometimes the wedding itself is on a army base. So it's a fascinating phenomenon that people are pushing ahead with these weddings even in the midst of the most difficult situation. And I was actually asked about this by a reporter for a prominent publication. Want to know what, what's going on? Is this Jewish law that obligates that you can never push off a wedding? Is that what's going on? Is this some kind of a halacha? Why is it that they don't wait? This isn't anybody's dream wedding to have an army base and a jeep. So why is why is this happening? Why is everybody pushing ahead with the weddings, despite the fact that it really doesn't seem like this is the kind of wedding anybody ever expected? So I mentioned to her that you know, there is definitely a, a statement here 
And it connects a little bit to the whole sugya, and the fact that sometimes we do have to move forward even in the context of great sadness. And you can just imagine that couple discussed in the sugya where a parent has just passed away and they're not even buried yet. And they have to go to the chuppah and let the funeral wait. And then once they do have the funeral, then they have to go to Shabbat and let the shiva wait. You can imagine how difficult that is. And that seems to indeed be what sometimes we find in halacha. But it's also quite instructive to consider the following. And this reporter also asked me, as a part of this, what would you do if you have to choose between a wedding and a funeral? Does halacha have a statement about that? What what comes first? Funeral. Funeral. How do you know? Who, who was it who answered that? Yes, okay. How do you know? Is it not a Gemara? Is it? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> oh, okay. Which Gemara is it? I mean, uh, it might be. Well, I don't want to pitch on the spot. It might be a Gemara, but it might be a Gemara also the opposite way. And it may only be a Gemara the opposite way. It depends how you look at it. So, what else would you say? So... What, what would you think? Yeah, what comes first? Yeah. Yeah. I think of this is Dereisa and the Mishnah is Maybe. According to that one view in Rishonim that we, they were dealing with in that Gimel. But we probably don't pass like that. Probably pass that those are both Dereabanans. But let's say even the wedding itself. Okay, you haven't spoken yet. What's your name? Itai Klug. Itai Klug? From where? From Chicago. Ah, which part? Skokie. Skokie, okay. I go to Chicago all the time. I'll give you regards. I was supposed to be there this week, but I came to the wrong side. As we said, what, what comes first? Uh, is it the fact that Ms. Uh, Gila says that you machis is a mace and then machis is a kala? Well, so it's a good question. So there is actually a Gemara in Ksuvis again, and it's a little bit later in Ksuvis, in the second part of Ksuvis. So there's a sugi there which says, Mavirin es hames, Akala. So if you find that there is a wedding procession and they crash, they conflict, on the street, there's a traffic jam. So you have the wedding procession, for wedding press, the wedding entourage, and you also have a funeral procession. So who goes first? So there, the Gemara says that that the kala goes first. So when we tell the mace to wait, we tell people with the mace to wait, and the bridal procession goes first. So why is that, first of all? So the Rishonim explained, yeah? Is that for the mace to not be buried? But we asked the mace to wait here. So here we're going to say that the mace waits and the, the kala goes first. So why that is, so the Mesach Smachos explains, the Rishonim quote in Mesach Smachos, that Yikari B'chaim is before Yikari B'shchiba. That this is what I told the reporter also, as somewhat of a slogan, you know, that we honor life, even more than we honor death. As much as we show honor to the deceased, Kavit HaMais is a huge principle, but we honor life first. And therefore, the bride goes first, the wedding goes first. But, you could say that, all right, that's the end of the story. So then that tells us everything. All the details about weddings versus all the details about funerals, weddings always come first. Kavit HaChaim, comes before Kavit HaMais. And that was the view of the Ramban. 
And the Ramban assumed that that Gemara is across the board. But the Rambam disagreed. And the Rambam is basing himself on a few other passages of Tosefta and Evo Ravasi, a few other kind of off-the-beaten-track sources like that we show him talk about that point to a Pasuk in Kohelas. The Pasuk says, Tov Valeches Lebeisa Evel, Meleches Lebeisa Nishta. Kizeh Sof Chala Adam, skipping some words, Kizeh Sof Chala Adam, V'hachai Yitein Based on those Chazals, the Rambam understands, he actually quotes the Pasuk a little bit earlier, which is interesting, but the Rambam understands that for matters of Kavod, yes, we show honor to life first. So the Gemara says the procession of the wedding comes before the procession of the funeral. But for all other things, the mace comes first. And that's because of this puzzle. So that's a very striking idea in terms of the combination of values. And what's even more noteworthy is that Pasuk in Kohelet. So how would you understand that? What do you think it's getting at? Tov lalechas lebeis ha'evel, milalechas lebeis ha'mishteh. Again, just picking out phrases from the Kizeh, sof kol ha'adam, v'hachai yitein alivo. What's the message in that pasuk? How do you understand it? Yeah? Yeah, but why? That's what it sounds like. Because there are two dinam of kavod, Oh, that's interesting. So that, there is a Rashi, it sounds like that, based on the Medrash. And that could actually help explain the Rambam's view, because the Rambam says something similar by Nichum Avelim. Now, when it comes to Nichum Avelim, you should do that before Bikr Cholim, because there's two beneficiaries. So there is an interpretation like that, but it's not so obvious that's what the Pasuk means. You're right that there are those who do read it that way. What would you say? I mean, Kizad so far you're seeing... It's a much more, much more of a Muslim message. Uh, seeing someone die and seeing someone okay. Die. So it could be that it's for the Muslim value, right? That you should reflect on your mentality, and that's what the Gemara says in the first part of Brachos, that when you're having a hard time finding the Yitzhara, a few suggestions, but ultimately, Yazker Yom Hamisa, remember your mortality, and that will keep you focused. So it could be that's the point. It's probably the most intuitive interpretation of the Pasuk. It's interesting also that there are other interpretations also, probably ones that are less quick to come to mind. What else could it mean to say, So some understand. You ever hear that quote from Yogi Berra? Says that you should always make sure to go to other people's funerals or they won't come to yours. So sounds a little strange on the surface, but there are some Rishonim who understand it that way. And there's a Tosef in Megillah, sounds like that, that if you expect people to show the cover to you when after 120 years it's relevant, so then you have to do that to others. Because everyone's going to have this eventually. So if you expect to be treated properly, so you should also go to other people's funerals. Now, the point is, Yogi Berra, you do chuckle at him a little bit because it's quite clear that those people are not going to be so likely to come to your funeral. 
So how exactly does that work? And that also seems to contradict another idea in Chazal. Right? One, in Parshas Vayichi. What's the Rashi tell us there in Parshas Vayichi? Why is the funeral called Chesed Shal Emes? Because you can't be paid back, right? So you don't expect that person to ever reciprocate. So this idea that, oh, you should go, so they'll come to yours, besides the fact that it's unlikely, but don't we say that shouldn't be the motive? So it could be that's making more of a moral statement, that if you expect that people will treat you with covered when the time comes, so how could you not be there for others? That's basic. Basic reciprocity on that level. Maybe that's what it means. Uh, there are others who say that the idea is that he says that this person has now come to the end. And if we want through Chesed to include everyone in our family, you're never going to get another opportunity to do anything for this person. If you miss the wedding, he'll invite you to the bris. But if you miss the funeral, you're never going to be able to do anything for this person. So that range of interpretations of the Pasuk, which is the source for a conflict here, teaches a whole host of values as to what we're trying to balance at this moment. And there's a discussion in the Sheiltos also. The Sheiltos written by Rabbi who broke up all the Torah to make it easier for his son to learn by every Parsha. And he wrote there that he addressed the question, what should you do about going to a funeral or a shiva or a funeral or a wedding first? And he noted the Shultas discusses, well, on the one hand, weddings are a big deal because that's connected to Puravu and Shavas and populating the world. And that's pretty important. On the other hand, funerals have a lot of power because we find that even though a Kohen is not allowed to come in contact with a mace, but if it's a mace mitzvah, if no one else will take care of it, so then he does have to. So apparently it's a pretty pressing kind of obligation. So, which should come first? So there's a commentary to the Shultos written by the Nitziv. And the Nitziv says, well, it depends. If we're talking about what's going to happen, you can only make one of these two mitzvahs happen, or only make one happen first, because the same people taking care of it. So then the wedding should happen first, because Puravu is indeed a pressing mitzvah, and we don't want to delay that at all. But if they're going to happen either way, and it's a question of what should you go to, so then, okay, you should do what's going to be best for your midos. So as you pointed out, it sounds like the Apostle is talking about your midos. He's saying that focus on your mortality, and that will set you straight. So in theory, maybe that's true. But there's clearly a whole range of choices here the whole range of ideas. And it's important to reflect upon when we think about why we see now such a push to keep up with the weddings and the like. Perhaps as far as being reminded of our mortality and the lesser value of that. So unfortunately, Amisrael had quite a devastating reminder of our mortality in the past few weeks. 
been reminded of that in a way that we haven't been over the course of many, many decades. But we also need to emphasize another message, that the idea of being part of a wedding, first of all, is a very powerful concept, because it's listed among the chasadim. We have a whole set of mitzvot that are gemilas chasadim, and simchas chasim v'kala is kind of an outlier. It doesn't match all the rest. Now, why doesn't it match all the rest? What's different about that mitzvah and all the other chasadim, dikar cholim, hachnosas archim, nicham avelim? What's different about all the others? In every chesed, usually, there's somebody in bad shape, and your mitzvah is to help them. They're poor, they're hungry, they're mourning. So you need to help out somebody in bad shape. In the case of Simchas Chasen and Kala, they're happy. What do they need me for? The only one of the chesed mitzvahs where you have somebody who's already happy and it's your mitzvah to make them happier. So one of the themes of this mitzvah specifically is to highlight the simple fact that the unity of Kal Yisrael and being present for each other is itself a irreplaceable value. Because as happy as the Chasen and Kala are on that day, if they are not together with the unit of their social family, then it's just not going to be what it can be. And this mitzvah, more than all these other chasadim, which all have an element of being there with the person, but then together with that, it's also helping them in other ways. Here, the mitzvah of Simchas Chasim is really all just about being there. It's all just about that togetherness of Kali So, the <coughs> presence of the Jewish people at weddings now is a statement specifically of that power of the glue of the Jewish people. But also, in a time when there are people, Rahman al looking to wipe out the Jewish people, to take a step towards building a Jewish family, Zabka in the middle of all that. That is a supreme show of defiance. That is a very powerful statement. So there are times when what you need to hear most is And there are times when maybe we've seen enough of that and we need to see that Kali Yisrael is there for each other and are ready to keep pushing forward and starting new families no matter what the rest of the world thinks. And that that's going to be the most powerful statement that we could have right now. So I think that Superstaff Gimel has a lot to speak to us right now at this moment.